those messages are real because they're happening, but they're not my truth. My truth lives in love. My truth lives in my heart. So when I'm in a moment where I'm going through it, I'm in my darkness. And I would say when I'm feeling most dark now, it's about the world. It's about looking at the insanity and the injustice and the, the violence and not making sense of it and feeling completely depressed about it. It's and painful. It's painful. It's extremely painful for all of us. I'm Ilaria Baldwin. And I'm Alec Baldwin. And this is our podcast, What's One More? For this episode, we are talking to a self-described love activist, someone who is trying to spread as much love around the world as possible. We're joined by Scott Stabile. He's the author of numerous books, most recently, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. One night, I was looking up different quotes about, you know, something in particular, and a quote of his came up, and then I found him on Instagram, and I just fell in love with him immediately because he is this love activist. He is about putting love out into the world, and then Alec actually fell in love with him as well immediately with the first post that I post on, and so we decided to reach out to him because we thought it would be a fun conversation. Well, I have to be honest. Uh, that when we get into this territory of positivity and love yourself, the cynic in me rolls his eyes and kind of wants to, you know, move away. But you, my lovely wife, are always trying to push me to be happier and more ascended like you and embrace this kind of stuff. So I'm trying to have an open mind about our guest, the love activist, Scott Stabile. What he says and his path simply makes sense to me because you consider the alternative. So anyway, listen up. I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy this one. Okay, I'll give it a go. So if you don't mind, just talk a little bit about your background and um, some of the more challenging times you've been through. Sure. Well, thank you both for having me on here. I'm excited to be with you both. Um, I, when I was 14, my parents were were murdered. So that was by far the most challenging uh, situation I've been through in my life. They were shot to death in Detroit in a store that they owned. They, along with one of their employees, uh, their employee was stabbed. And then my parents found the employee along with the man that had stabbed him. And then this man ended up shooting my parents and killing them as well. And I was 14 at the time and the youngest of seven kids. I want to say a couple things about this because I really feel like to hear the story, it, it feels so big and traumatic and it is. And yet I really believe that we all come into our adulthood with any number of different traumas based on any number of things. And even if it's not as shocking as maybe mine seems to be, it doesn't necessarily make it any less traumatic, right? Because we're all living through whatever we're living through. We're all experiencing whatever we're experiencing. And I also want to say as a 14-year-old, because a lot of people will ask me, how did you become this man who, who talks about love? And do you, do you believe it's because you went through as a 14-year-old that led you on this path and got you to where you are today? And honestly, I have no idea. You know, we, it's, it's impossible to know because my experience is that my parents were murdered when I was 14. And as a 14 year old, I don't take any conscious credit for getting through it. You know, I was 14. I wasn't making decisions from this place of consciousness right. or awareness. I wasn't choosing based on what I thought 
would be the best thing for me. I was just surviving. And right. the what what the choice that I made or what I guess I intuitively felt I needed to do at the time was bury it. And that's what I did. I I locked it away and I would have a good cry once a year. It was like clockwork. Did it bubble back up? It only it, it, it it's not that I didn't think about my parents, but at the time my parents died, I was always a straight A student and like really invested in school and kind of a type A kid and committed to doing well. And I really just stayed on that path. And I locked it away. My siblings, all of whom were older and some of whom were much older, seemed to all take a very similar path. Like we never spoke about my parents with each other. So I was never talking about them. I wasn't processing it with anybody but myself. But what's so true is even in things that are certainly nowhere near as impactful as the murder of your parents, Mm -hmm. there are things in my own life. I mean, I'm significantly older than you and there's so many landmines that are going off now. There are so many things from my childhood that I see. I found a way to push those feelings down and table them till later. And then they came bubbling up in my adult life. And we're all expert at that, Alec. I think if you look at the world we're living in, certainly the country we're living in, which is really what I can speak to, is that we all have a proclivity to numb, to not to not sit with our hard feelings and our hard emotions and not believe that we can actually be with them in a way that allows us to move through them healthfully. So we're all in some way turning to something, whether it's booze or drugs or sex or our phones, food. Or TV and food, all of it. I certainly have done that plenty in my life. And I, cert- I I do it still sometimes, but I also came to a place, you know, in my early twenties, I started to understand that the way I had been dealing with my parents' death by really just keeping it buried was not serving me any longer. It served me in my teen years. It served me through college. And then I had this experience that once a year cry I had, I had it when I I, I moved to San Francisco after graduating college. And that cry that usually would last an hour or two hours went on for three days. And I was just locked in my room crying and thinking I was losing my mind. And I opened the yellow pages you know, we had at the time. And I, it was literally, (laughs) I opened the yellow pages to the psychotherapist section and closed my eyes and pointed. And I called the woman that I pointed to. And I had six sessions with her, which was what I could afford at the time and talked and cried and raged about my parents. And I think the, the gift of that was I was able to see that I could actually be with the pain I could actually face it. I could cry about it. I could rage about it. And it wasn't going to take me down. And I think subconsciously for so many of us, we feel that if we allow ourselves to really feel the different pains, to really reflect on and be with the different traumas we've experienced in our lives, or maybe are currently experiencing, that we're not going to be able to survive it. And it's part of why we keep turning away from it. But the only way we're able to see that we can survive these things we we deem unsurvivable is if we allow ourselves to be present in them. You have to take the time to feel in a healthy way or it's not going to go well. But it's not like you can just press pause, keep it in a box and and walk away from it. It's always going to be there. It's just going to be dribbling out in in unhealthy ways. 
Absolutely. And that's what it's doing all the time. And if you look around at the world we live in and the unhealthy ways in which it's pouring out of people all the time, you know, I was, I'm in North Carolina for the month. I rented this little cabin in this town called Chimney Rock, which is about 40 minutes south of Asheville. And it's so beautiful here. And there's this gorgeous river about a minute walk away. And I go out there every morning and I sit on this rock that, that you can climb out on the rocks and you're in the middle of the river and it's flowing around you on both sides. And each morning I sit out there and, and I was thinking about this morning and I was thinking about talking with you, with you two. And I said to myself, well, if you had one, just one piece of advice, if they asked you, if you have one piece of advice for people, what would you say? And in that moment, what came to me was pay attention to your life and act accordingly. And this is the thing I, I think has changed my life profoundly. It is bringing more awareness to everything about my life, to my thoughts, to my words, to my actions, and really checking in with myself, how, how are they making me feel? Because our feelings are a response to what we're thinking, right? We are in constant thought and then we're in constant feeling based on what we're thinking, what we're saying, the choices we're making in our lives. And what gets me really amped up is understanding that no matter how you've been choosing to live your life up until this point, no matter what you've faced in your past or what you're facing right now, you can always make the choice to consider your thoughts, words, and actions and align them more clearly with what adds more meaning, more joy, more peace to your life. And when we start doing that, we change our lives instantly. What most of us don't tend to understand is that we have much more control over our lives than we give ourselves credit for. And it starts with paying attention to your thoughts. I feel we're very addicted to our pain. And this isn't to belittle anyone's pain or belittle anyone's circumstances in any way, but we tend to focus on the things that are not making us feel good. And then we call all of our friends and talk about all the things that are not making us feel good. And then we join groups and create groups about all the things that are not making us feel good. And so what I've noticed for myself is then I'm just, I'm stewing in the energy of not feeling good. So what happens if we become more expansive in, in our approach to life. And that's what I've really come to learn also is we're these like wildly dynamic, expansive beings. Like my, my sense of God, and if I refer to God, what I'm referring to is the energy that has created everything, the energy that is in an acorn that turns into an oak tree that lives for hundreds of years, the energy wow. that's in the oceans and the planets, that energy is alive in us all the time. And it's boundless. And it's joyful and it's creative and it's imaginative. And when I remember that, and if I see myself locked in to misery, I know I'm not allowing for so much more that exists on this planet. And you, you say that and, and I eat it up and I love it. But when you're going through a hard time, clear your mind, go to your happy place, breathe in, breathe out, let your problems go. Well, that sounds really great. I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the roadmap to get there? You know, I, I want to say a few things. I, I think the first thing is that I don't have all the answers to this for myself either. You know, like I, 
I see where I am today versus where I've been. And I know that I'm more peaceful than I've ever been. I know that I'm more loving than I've ever been, more compassionate than I've ever been. And I also know that I'm still an asshole sometimes and that I am not at all peaceful sometimes. How does that play out? Being reactionary, like being in my anxiety, being in my fear around the circumstances around me instead of being in my trust or allowance for what's going on, being human right? It's like when I feel peaceful, I feel aligned with that source energy within me. I feel like I'm in my heart and what I have to offer myself in the world is love. And when I'm in that place, I'm golden. But a lot of the reality of life is we're in our minds, we're in our ego, we're in our fear. So to what you were, what you were saying, Ilaria, is that one of the things that's helped me so much is not being so resistant to what it is I'm feeling and also not shaming or judging myself for feeling it. You know, I think those of us like you, those of us who are on this healing path and are active in it and we're spiritual seekers and we're doing everything we can do to heal and grow and be at peace and find enlightenment or whatever word you want to put to it, there is a natural instinct to shame ourselves for not being where we think we should be. So you get, you know, you, maybe you two have an argument with each other and you think you should be at peace and not judging him for the thing he says or whatever it is. And so you start judging yourself. Like, why am I not there? I've been working for so many years on this and I'm still not there. Well, what happens if you remove that judgment? What happens if you remove that shame? What happens if you remind yourself that along with everything else you are, you're a human being. And part of our experience in this reality is to be with our human mind that is constantly judging others and ourselves, and is constantly shaming others and ourselves. And that's part of it. And what's helped me so much is to remove that, to just recognize my mind in part is always going to try to abuse me and shame me and tell me I'm not worthy and tell me I'm a piece of crap and tell me I'm lazy and stupid and all these things that minds do. And I don't have to listen to it anymore. I can hear it without internalizing those messages because what I've come to understand is that those messages are real because they're happening, but they're not my truth. My truth lives in love. My truth lives in my heart. So when I'm in a moment where I'm going through it, I'm in my darkness. And I would say, when I'm feeling most dark now, it's about the world. It's about looking at the insanity and the injustice and the, the violence and not making sense of it and feeling completely depressed about it. It's and painful. It's about. painful. It's extremely painful for all of us. I'm very concerned about how we seem to have a world now where people are, you know, they, they, they've been encouraged. Just worry about yourself. Yeah. You just take care of yourself. You get what's yours. It's a competitive society. There's winners and losers. Yeah. There's haves and have-nots. You know, tough luck. Yeah. And, I, and I find that's been a very painful thing for me to see how what the increasing number of people in the world who are only out for themselves and believe the world itself doesn't exist beyond their own lifetime. You know. Yeah, it is an incredibly hard thing. So to that, because also a lot of I would say the work I do in the world is so, it's deeply focused on self-love. It's deeply focused on the selfishness of self-love. But I want to I wanna say that I believe that is the most beautiful and important selfishness we can work with because, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is from the Buddha. He said, if you truly loved yourself, you could never hurt another. And for me, that is the essence of real self-love. It's understanding that you're so in touch with your heart. You're so in touch with the power of love as the one 
healing agent we have to work with in this world that you would never think to not shine love on another human being. And I mean on everyone. I can tell you the last five years have been incredibly challenging for me as, as a guy who professes himself to be all about love and making noise for love and coming with compassion. And then seeing many politicians that I felt deep dislike bordering on hatred for, uh, and, and having to be confronted with my own hypocrisy when it comes to love and having be, to be confronted with my just real humanity about it. And then also really making the decision like, yes, I want to love even those who seek to dehumanize. Because for me, if it's not about loving everyone, you're missing the message. When I'm in my heart, there is one command and it is to love, period. Even him, yes, even him. Even that one, yes, even that one. Even this horrible person, yes, even this horrible, even the people I don't like, absolutely the people I don't like. I don't think there are distinctions. When I think of utopia, it is a world where we are opening our hearts to everybody. And if we can start with ourselves, with this kind of selfishness, really be committed to loving yourself, the way you are going to be showing up in the world is going to be totally different. The way you're going to show up for the ones in your life, the way you'll show up for strangers, the way you will relate to our earth, to our planet, the choices you will make around everything, when you are committed to being loving, it changes. And what it creates, I believe, and this has been another struggle for me, honestly, because I'm not naive in the way I look at love. It's not woo-woo for me, even though I understand that people receive it as woo-woo and airy-fairy and you need more than love to heal the world. I really don't believe you need more than love to heal the world. And so what I've had to reflect on and struggle with is that's my deepest belief, but then we live in a reality where what I believe most deeply is not being exercised by most of the people. So to say you only need love to heal, but then if you don't have most of the people loving, you're not seeing the healing. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. And it's also for, even for myself, there's this part of my mind that's like, is that just a cop out? I mean, you're saying this, do you really believe it? And like, what are you doing to create change? Is love enough? The theory of it is really great. Self-love, great. Every, if everybody does their part, Theoretically, we could get to that utopia. You know, we could get to that place where everybody's just like treating each other well and we don't have to talk about, you know, this, that, and the next thing and in fighting all the time and competition and negativity. But what's one thing that people could do to get that much closer? They could, one, understand. We all need to understand we have no control over anyone else. No one. And I'm sure that... Uh, I mean, you have six kids, six mm -hmm. young kids right now, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you're seeing that every day. You know, we, we don't have control over anybody else except ourselves. So understanding that and taking responsibility for the way you're showing up in your life. So what's one thing? This is for me the most basic, like one plus one equals two route to spirituality is start paying attention to the choices you're making and how you're feeling about the choices you're making. And the choices that feel good in your being, that feel good in your body, that, that bring you joy, that feel peaceful, make more of those choices. The ones that are depleting, the ones that feel toxic, the ones that feel debilitating, start eliminating those choices. This is very simple. There's nothing I say in anything I write or talk about that isn't really basic, but we have to follow up that understanding with action. One thing I've been thinking about a lot lately and sitting with lately is 
if you focus on bringing the energy of love, and when I talk about love, I'm talking about compassion, I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm talking about everything that love informs in our lives. If you can focus on bringing that to your activism, it changes your activism. It actually creates the possibility for deeper healing. You know, love for me is the only energy, and love for me is just energy when I'm referring to it. It's just this vibrational signature in, in how we're acting, what we're doing. It's the only one that stands to really heal. Anger is a very powerful emotion. It's a very powerful energy. Anger creates change. We see that all the time. There's a lot of anger in activism on both sides of the equation. And that anger creates a lot of change in our Outrage. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't create any healing though. And all it's ultimately going to do is create a similar set of circumstances. So what I understand is I have control over myself and the choices I'm making. And if I'm going online and someone sends me a nasty something and I choose to respond with that same nastiness, how am I serving anything? How am I serving myself? How am I serving that person? How am I serving that world? We have to take responsibility for how we're yeah. showing up within You're it. You're playing their game. Exactly. And we have to take we're responsibility for the example we're setting within it because it's all we have control over. But if if you think that by taking responsibility for yourself, your impact is limited to yourself, you're wildly mistaken. I mean, your impact, first of all, you have six young kids in your house. Kids are paying attention to everything, right? They're taking in everything. They're sponges to everything. You're impacting them profoundly. You're setting the example for them of how to react to assholes in the world or how to be in the world in a, in a more conscious way. And I also do realize how what I sound sometimes, it sounds so woo-woo, but it, it, I really trust that when I'm centered in my heart and acting from that place, what I have to offer myself, my loved ones, and the world is beautiful. I can trust in it. And I don't have and to- And useful. It's useful. It makes <laughs> yeah. a difference. How do you continue through holding yourself solid centering yourself every single time you kind of get shoved off of balance, how do you come back to it to allow yourself to continue to do good when it seems that that it's the negativity which is sometimes pulling at your soul? What would you say to those people who are trying to find their, their balance, trying to continue in this way, and you feel like you're getting pulled off? You know, a, a few things. One is that I'm really growing to understand that those moments when you're getting pulled off balance, for me, it's it's highlighting for me who I want to be and what it is I'm seeking. So I don't necessarily reflect. I just don't, I, I'm just not as inclined to reflect on aspects of my life through this lens of this is bad, right? right? Like if I'm being pulled off balance and I'm feeling like crap because I'm not able to bring myself back to love because someone said something, insulted me online and I just want to tear their, their head off. It's like what that when I can sit with it and not react to it, which is also the thing I would say first and foremost, there's that that great Viktor Frankl quote that I'll butcher, but it's essentially between stimulus and responses where our, our power lives. And so instead of just reacting, sit with what's going on and you're gonna more, more likely than not be able to approach it from a different lens, but also understand that that desire or that the, the misery that you're feeling Allow it to highlight for you what it is you want to feel. Allow it to highlight for you the fact that you want that you are striving to be a person who is operating from compassion and love. And that is a beautiful thing to understand. And again, remember, one of the things I say to myself, honestly, as much as any other is, it's okay, honey, you're human. It's okay, honey, you're human. 
And I feel like when I'm saying that to myself, it's this, it's my heart speaking to me because I want to tear myself down for not showing up the way I want to be able to show up and then remind myself, you are human. It is okay. You are not God. God is within you. God is within all of us. That energy is within all of us, but you're having a human experience with an egoic mind and reaction is part of it and, and despair is part of it and rage is part of it. Can you, can you be with it? Can you allow all of that instead of fighting against it? And that's another thing I've seen in myself is I was expending so much energy in my adult life, fighting what is resisting what is. And it's like, all it was doing was zapping me of any energy I had to actually create something different for myself. When all the energy is going to fighting against the reality of what is, you have very little energy to actually make conscious choices to create a different reality. It's like, I can look at my reality from this place of acceptance. And if what I'm feeling is like, this sucks, I'm not, I don't like this. I don't like this relationship or I don't like this circumstance. That's very different than why I hate this. I don't want this. Take it away. Right. And then all your energy is going to that fight. But when you're like, this is my reality, it sucks. Okay. What do I want to do about it? And let me move forward in conscious consideration of choices that I can make that actually might stand to create a bit more peace, a bit more connection, a bit more, whatever it is I'm looking for. Right. The other thing I want to kind of say here, because I think it's, it's in part what prevents people from from really taking responsibility for the lives they're living is we've all been conditioned within an inch of our lives about how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to say, who we're supposed to love, what we're supposed to do. And we internalize that conditioning from the time we're very, very little and we grow up living with it. And we, we put ourselves in these boxes, these tight little boxes and we conform. So people don't judge us, even though people are always judging us no matter what we do. And part of this journey of growth and healing and discovery, it requires getting honest with ourselves. It requires really looking at what choices are we making that are aligned with our authenticity versus what choices are we making that are just part of our conformity. So people don't judge us part of fitting into that box. And what I've come to discover is that if I'm making choices that keep me in this comfort zone, or if I'm making choices that are liberating and free, people are judging me anyway. So why would I ever continue to live in this box of conditioning instead of really asking myself, who am I and who am I not? And honoring that with honest answers and then finding the courage to live in alignment with those answers. Oh, that's very helpful. Thank you so much. We have our question that we ask everybody is, what's your one What's more? one more? What's one thing you think you could never get enough of? Oh, just being out in nature. One more hike, one more moment among the trees, you know, one more moment in this natural world reminding me that like, there's a lot of beauty here. There's a lot of stillness here. There's a lot and of- Connecting to that is like, is medicinal for you. It's number one medicine for me. That and, and human connection with other open-hearted people who are willing to have real connection. And where can we follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at Scott Stabile or on Facebook at Scott Frank Stabile or at my website, scottstabile.com. I'm really, really grateful. This is very amazing to connect with you. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you both so much, really. For me, my what's one more with Scott Stabile would obviously be uh, when he talked about engaging with nature. Very often I will engage with nature now with the kids and it's as much for them and their safety is involved and it's weather dependent or whatever, as opposed to doing it for myself. And what he said that really resonated with me is the restorative 
aspects of engaging with nature. I mean, to me, he's so spot on. My what's one more would be what's one more conversation with Scott. To speak to somebody who's so focused on turning out the noise. And when you turn down the noise, just be left with yourself and what you can actually change and the temperature of positive and negative that you can dial up and dial down. And I know I definitely have a lot to to learn from him. And I feel like all of us, because we all have a, a public presence at this point, you know, it's 2021. We all have a public presence. And everybody can be so loud and be telling you, be this, do this, do that. You can't be this and accusing you of things and lifting you up because of things. And whether if it's positive or negative, to go to a place where we are stable within ourselves, that is a place of true strength. And I definitely would like to have another conversation with him about that. I just want to say, you stated that beautifully. Beautifully. And I'm coming from a place of extraordinary positivity when I say to you, you you articulated that beautifully. Well done. Well done. (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Make sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And share the show with your friends and help us grow. We'll talk to you guys next week.